Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly presented by Whisker Wear Apparel. Whisker Wear Apparel right here. Pretty good stuff. We got some feedback someplace. I don't know where it's coming from, but oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Chuck, that's all right. Chuck, how's it going tonight, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. We got, um, it still seems like summer down here. It's cooling off a tad bit, but, you know, not, <laughs> not, not too much, man. It's, you know, getting down the high 40s a little bit uh, at night, but it's, um, at least we're getting a little bit of a fall this year. Usually it jumps straight from summer, you know, down below freezing and uh it's like what happened to fall we totally missed it so <laughs> that's happened here a couple times yeah if i can just get out and, and get some fishing done now i'll have it going on they uh there's some guys had pretty good success um you know catching the skipjacks this weekend uh below gunnersville um and you know other places on the Tennessee River, so hopefully I got a chance to go get some bait. Heck yeah, man, that'd be awesome if we could get to. You know, if 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 you get too many, you can always freeze them babies up. Doc and I can always use some bait. You can keep them for us. We'll pick them up when we see. There you are. That'd be all good, would it, Doc? Yep, twelve hours for me. I can drive for twelve hours for skipjack. Yeah, especially yeah, I, if he's got a uh, freezer full of them. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's usually the problem. You know, I, this, this small freezer I got, it's one of those uh, small little square freezers. I don't know the cubic feet, five or something like that. But it's, um, you know, it's not really enough to hold enough to really hold you over from the time they quit running good to the time they, you know, start running good in the spring. So, you know, if you, um, you know, if you're a little bit wasteful, you run out before you need to. <laughs> Well, now, Chuck, I, I will tell you that I have a 21-foot freezer that is empty. <laughs> I also I have two of those small ones set side by side in here that I keep skipjack in one of those, and Cindy got some stuff in the other one. Uh, but if I brought that down there, I could just leave it. You could fill it up and call me when it's full, and I'd come down and get it. Oh, man, I'd love to. I wish I could <laughs> fill mine up. <laughs> well, you know, it, it don't hurt to check in on stuff like that. Hey, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen it or not, but we have a new sponsor. You know, we got some really, really great sponsors on Catfish Weekly, and these guys do an outstanding job. And, and we, we don't just take anybody. It's got to be the, the people that are interested in, in helping us do things. But uh, Dave with Thriftmaster has come on, and, and I want to thank him for everything he does for the sport, you know, and, and uh, we're so happy to have him. We all, Chuck and I use his stuff, and I know Doc uses monsters, and that's all good. Steve's a great guy. He does a lot of good stuff for the sport. But uh, Dave was really good to go on there, and, and uh, I, I wanted to tell everybody that when you become a sponsor, when we have new banners made, which we're in the process of that now so we can get Doc included in, in all the new stuff, and uh, we'll be putting a new header up on the show and everything. But uh, if when you become a sponsor now, we're putting your logos on the new banner. So anybody that gets involved with that and, and stuff that will have that, and, and we're having special pricing for like Aaron and, and guys with uh, – George that has big tournaments that are tournament series. It don't have to be a big, big tournament. If you want your tournament uh, deal on here, 
it's at a much lower rate, and again, your logos will be put on the thing. So we go out and do live shows, and we hang the banners up, everybody sees all that stuff. So it's a pretty good deal. Uh, like I've said all along, we're not doing this to make a bunch of money. We're just, we like to break even. If we could come up with some gas money so we can do these live events a little cheaper, that would that would be great, but uh, I just wanted to thank Dave for, for jumping on here. You know, we've had Rob for years and years, and Rob's just the greatest guy. I, I can't think of, of very many companies that do any more for our sport by supporting nearly all of the big tournaments and a lot of individuals and different things, even events that are not uh, uh, tournament that has to do with catfishing. Rob Podfelder with Whisker jumps in there, and he's involved with everything. And uh, you can't beat a sponsor like that, and, and that's what makes all these guys so great that, that we have involved with catfishing. I mean, uh, I see it in a lot of other sports, and it doesn't go the way it, it goes now. Uh, I have a little something else that I wanted to talk about before we get started on this uh, channel catfishing stuff, and I'm kind of anxious about that because that's a lot of fun. But uh, we have a mutual friend amongst the three of us that is one of the greats in our sport that is having some issues. And um, I know we've talked about it uh, off air, and Doc and I have talked about it quite a little bit, but our buddy Bink Fox is having some issues. Um, he has some cancer, and they're taking care of it right now. And uh, what we want to do is ask everybody that knows Bink, even if you don't know him, but who in the world does not know Bink and Janet, uh, send him a message, or if you're if you're close at all with the man upstairs, give him a holler. Uh, Bink could really use the support. I know he. I talked to him the other day, and and uh, at first he didn't want all this stuff getting out. And I asked him about doing this on the show, and he said that would be fine. And you'll not find a better guy anywhere in the world than James Fox. I mean, he's just top notch. Uh, it there's no reason uh, why he won't pull through this. Everything's looking good. He's doing very well. He's in great great spirits, and I know that there's going to be a time when he's not going to feel as good as he does right now and different things, but once once we get this taken care of and he gets back in that boat and, and uh, he'll feel a lot better and everything's going to, going to go along good for him, but uh, if you have any uh, compassion at all, uh, please let Bink know that you're thinking about him. Yeah, we're going to have a benefit tournament for him uh, next year. It's going to be April 15th. 2017 we haven't picked a location just yet uh, because I want to see how he does after they do his surgery and stuff uh, but we are so mark that in your calendars if you would April 15th 2017 we're going to have a benefit tournament for Janet and Bank so uh, put that in your books well, you know, one thing about, and, and we've all dealt with this. I know you and Lynn had a bunch of problems, and yeah. Chuck was telling us about his uncle, and and, and uh, I just lost my mother and Cindy's brother to cancer, and uh, it's a major deal these days, and the cost is so horrific. Unreal. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. I don't care how financially stable you are. That stuff will just drain you. So anything that, that can be put towards that uh, with that tournament, uh, will be an absolute outstanding deal, and, and thank you guys for doing this. I don't know, Doc, if you're doing it all yourself or if you have some guys helping you with it, but no, uh, no, no. Uh, that's yeah. good. I'm, I'm excited about it, and anytime you have any information about this, uh, just go ahead and share it with everybody, either on the okay. site or during the show or whatever, because 
Uh, we need to help them all we can. We, you know, they're just. I got to know Janet fighting over uh, the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals online, and we've become such great friends. And uh, I'd hammer her a little bit, and she'd hammer me back and forth about them Cardinals and and the Reds. And the next thing you know, we was we was buddies and never had met each other. And uh, the night that I got to meet Vink down, I, I'm not sure if it was at Wheeler, but somewhere the first time I met them, he was such a great guy. He tells people good quality information. All you have to do is ask him. And a great fisherman, but better than that, he's just an outstanding guy. And, and uh, you know, we, we got to help him all we can. If, if uh, yeah. a prayer is what you got to help him with, that's that's I know that means a lot to him because him and I talked about that the other day. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about it all. Every, well, I talk to him every day, so. And I've talked to him every day for years, but generally when we're talking, we're talking about fishing, but we're not talking about fishing right now. You know, exactly. Yeah. Well, trying, I'm just trying to keep his hopes up and stuff like that. You know, it's easy to get down in the dumps, but I mean, he's a strong individual. And I know he's going to pull through on this real well. Oh, absolutely. He's got the best outlook of anybody I know. And uh, you know he's 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 confident. And he's got he knows he trusts his doctors. Everything's looking good for him. Uh, yeah. But we do want to let everybody know what's going on, and they can, uh, uh, you know, like I say, give him a shout, uh, mention, say something to him, uh, uh, say a prayer for him, whatever it is. Uh, I know that he, him, and Janet will appreciate it. And you cannot do anything for a better person than, than James is. He's just a super nice guy. Yep. We, uh, we've been having some people talk to us about doing uh, a show on channel catfishing. And um, I, I think we did one years ago, Chuck, but I don't really remember. Uh, so many have been done since then. But uh, you and I was talking about this the other day, and you'd sent me a message that somebody was interested in that. And, and uh, you specifically do not uh, target channel cat in your area. Is that correct? Uh, no, I don't target them at all. Right. Well, we have, you know, from where I'm at north up into Iowa, we have some really, really good channel cat uh, tournaments and fishing areas. It's not uh, that they're the biggest in the land, but the they have good quality fish and an abundance of them. Uh, we, we fish a lot of channel cat tournaments, and I know guys say, oh, I'm not going to fish channel cat tournaments. When you go to a weigh-in with five or seven fish, and the weigh-in between first and fifth place is three or four ounces, yeah. that's pretty good. And there's nothing more exciting than, than, than going in there. And a lot of these guys are weighing in 10, 12, 15-pound channel cats, sometimes bigger. Uh, I know Justin Wolf caught one, I believe it was last year in St. Louis. Uh, he was fishing for blues, but he ended up with an 18-pound channel cat, which is a giant uh, for our area. Uh, it was very impressive, but, um, you know, these, these, uh, these channel cat tournaments are really exciting. And a lot of times we'll go to, you know, we'll go to a tournament, uh, on one of the big rivers, you catch two or three fish all day or five. Uh, you go to a channel cat tournament, you'll have to catch 25 or 30 and they'll eat, they'll be anywhere from three or four pounds up to, to, uh, like I say, 15 or so. And, uh, that's pretty exciting. And if you want to take somebody and get them interested in tournament catfishing, what better way could you get them started 
than putting them on 15 or 20 quality fish in a day and letting them catch all them fish in a tournament. I mean, uh, that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Here I know, Ohio, Doc, you fish. Yeah, I fish, fish quite a, a few. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and here in Ohio, it comes, you were know, talking three or four ounces. In Ohio, it's down to a hundredths of an ounce. <laughs> I mean, I know of five tournaments last year where, you know, I, I think I won like three or four of them, but I also lost, I was the first place loser in about four or five of them by a hundredths of an ounce. So that's, you know, that makes a big difference. Oh, and yeah. And then you got guys, you got guys like me, and, and then I find out Willie Smith that can't count or they forget, you know, last year I thought it was a, five channel catfish tournament it ended up it was a six channel and i dro i dropped a it was like an eight or a nine pounder over the side of the boat because i had i had six in the live well and i thought i was only due five and uh bentz called me on the phone he saw me chuck it over the side and he, he goes how big was that fish and i said it was eight or nine pounds and I said, man, I said, I got in a panic. I said, I'm only half an hour from weigh-in. And I said, I had six fish in a live well. <laughs> he said, you do know it's six fish, don't you? I said, do not tell me that. Here, I'd already dropped one over. <laughs> and so, so for the next half hour, we're in panic mode. Daniel and I, we're trying to catch fish. And, you know, at that point, you start pushing the rods instead of letting them take it down. As soon as you see a tap, you're you're trying to reel down on them things. And we ended up coming to the weigh-in with only five fish. And I told him, I said, I have never won a tournament without having limit. And then I find out that Willie and Stacy, they were, they were tossing, they only brought five fish to the, the ramp. And uh, we ended up beating them. We came in first place. They came in second and he should have <laughs> won it only because they weren't even counting. I mean, you know, well, same way with me, but, but yeah, that's. <laughs> you know, I fished for Channel Cat from uh, this from St. Louis all the way up to Lake Mendota and Cherokee and the Red River. Uh, it's exciting, you know. Um, the big, you know, and, and the biggest one I ever caught was twenty nine pounds up on Cherokee Lake in Wisconsin, up there with Jerry and Ron Workman, my old buddy, and a bunch of us was up there. Brad Derrick was there, and. Uh, there's just a ton of people there. In fact, I can't remember them all. And uh, we used to get together up there, and, and I think still do. I've been up there several years uh, and have a little get-together, and everybody just have a lot of fun. But uh, we've caught some giants up there. I'm, and I, and to me, a 20-pound channel cat's a giant. And uh, oh, yeah. either three or four days, I think it was three, uh, and never caught a fish under 14 pounds. Never Man. caught a fish under 14 pound channel cat now. And the big one was, was a 28.8, which I, as far as I'm concerned, that's 29. Cause you, you know, I'm, I'm going to round up, but, uh, <laughs> that's a big fish. We it was a giant. I've got the measurements on it. I have all intentions of having a, uh, a fiberglass replica made of it. Had never got to it yet, but I have the measurements on it and stuff. And, uh, it was, it was just a stud and, uh, everybody up there caught fish, and I've told about the fish swimming around in Troy's boat and all that stuff, and it, it was a, a lot of fun. 
but uh, we went to the Red River and fished the uh, the tournament that they have up there um, uh, in Grand Forks, and I for uh, Cat's Incredible tournament. And man, you talk about a long haul. I mean, I we left here at seven o'clock at night. I drove all night, got there at seven o'clock the next morning. And uh, I didn't think we was ever going to get to Grand Forks, but that Red River is another outstanding place to fish. Now, we didn't quite catch the size up there uh, that we did on Mendota, but it wasn't spawn. You know, and that has something to do with it when they're in there in that two foot of water spawning. But uh, we, again, had a wonderful time up there. That Red River is an outstanding fishery. I would love to go up there. I know uh, Phil Brown and Josh Mays had just recently made a trip up there and they went on up into Canada and and uh, the Lockport Dam would if I make another trip up there no matter what I'm going to the Lockport Dam that is supposed to be the greatest uh, catfish fishery in the world to my knowledge uh, I also want to fish Calamus out in Nebraska uh, there's a lake I can't think of the name of it right now Kansas it's really really good I want to fish out there uh, but channel catfishing is exciting, it's fun, and, and I'm telling you, I don't have to catch a 100-pound fish to have a good time. If I'm catching 30 fish a day in a tournament, I'm having a good time. Yeah, yeah. Now, Chuck, we, we have a, a pretty well-known channel cat fisherman with us, so what do you say we let him tell us about how he goes about catching them big channel cats and and how he does it in tournaments and, and some stuff. Yeah, and there's uh, one thing I would like to know. If, if you was fishing a lake that had blues, but you was having to target channels, how would you go about doing that? That would be something I would really be interested in hearing there also. Well, for years, I, I've, I've fished for channels for a lot of years. Most of the time, it was always under a bobber. And I had, you know, built those doctor bobbers from years ago on my website. Uh, they always showed up. And, you know, that's how I fished. And then uh, a guy named Mark Blovalt come along, and we know him as Salmoid. And uh, he taught me the, the technique of dragging baits. Um, and this was years ago. And he he's already... Yeah, he's way beyond what I'm at right now. So I've learned to do that uh, mainly from him. So uh, you know, I now I'm I'm dragging mainly for channels. I'm running planer boards, which I really like running the planer boards uh, for him. So generally what I have in Ohio, we're only allowed two rods per person. So uh, I can only uh, run two rods. And if I'm running two rods, I'm, I'm running them straight out the back of the boat. And dragon baits, uh, mainly shad. But uh, if I can get them, those little four-inch skipjacks, four to five-inch skipjacks are deadly on channel cats. So, and I run them cut. Cool. So if, if you went to, uh, let's say you, you was on a, a, a tournament, uh, you know, somewhere on the Tennessee River, and they threw a, uh, 
a big channel cat pod out there instead of a flathead or something like that, how would you actually uh, target a trophy channel cat in a fishery that has giant blues and giant uh probably probably work in mud flats uh they like to roam across them mud flats uh in the spring of the year they like to get up on gravel stuff like that in the fall right now uh i'm working mud flats in the fall right now for them so i would say the mud flats are almost always you know the very first thing i do as soon as i catch a channel cat i flip him over and I, I take a look at his belly to see if he's been laying in the mud. Uh, you know, m most of the time, if they're laying in the mud, that white belly is going to be all dingy looking. And I'll rub that belly to see if they've been laying in that mud. And then that'll tell me right then and there what I need to do. You know, if, if they're good and clean, then I know that they're not down in that mud. And I might have to run my baits up a little bit higher or... Uh, you know, start ta attacking uh, gravel or hard banks. Okay, I'm seeing these companies come out with these little uh, rattles and, uh, you know, spinners and, uh, you know, all kind of stuff like that. Have you ever used uh, any kind of tactics like that that them guys out in the Midwest are using? Yep, I've got all that stuff. I've got those little pink spinner bob things I, I can't think of what they're whisker seekers i think that's who it you know i'm using the whisker seeker uh lures I, i've used that but most of the time our stuff comes off i go to walmart i don't go into walmart that much but when i do those little short bobbers i buy everything they have on the shelf you know if there's 10 packages that I'm always buying them things because those are perfect. They give you that amount of buoyancy that you need when you're running them baits. The big bobbers, the cone mill bobbers that Dave has are a little too much for when you're doing the channel cats. So those small bobbers do a lot better job. Well, that's good to know. Uh, but what are these? What are these little uh, rattle things supposed to do? Is that does that catch their attention? Must um, it must? I don't know. You know, all I know is they make noise, and as you're running them, you know, as I'm dragging, the thing of it is, I'm dragging anywhere between 0.3 to 0.7. Uh, like right now, today I went out and fished, and I was catching my fish at 0.4, and uh, I don't, you know, I can't hear that. I don't even know if that thing was spinning. I'm assuming it was spinning, but I put it at the, you know, where my swivel is. I know some of the guys run them down by the hooks. I don't run them down by the hooks. I put them up on the, on the, the swivel and uh, because I think it'll, you know, get a little more freedom to turn up there. I got a, a comment, but not to interrupt you, Chuck, but I'm not convinced on those rattlers that the noise is any more of a uh, attractant than the vibration. Yeah, I think uh, that's when, more what it is. You know, I, I know that, you know, if they hear something, 
uh, they'll come to it maybe just to see what it is. And if there's something there that smells like they need to eat it, they'll eat it. But the vibration, they feel that throughout their whole body. And I, I really think that that's as much uh, of as attracted as the sound myself, maybe more. You know, I put the Colorado blades, the big Colorado blades, I put them on the lines way up ahead of the float. Uh, just get that vibration, you know. And I've caught a lot of channel cats doing that. But now that they've come out with those lures and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of – the problem is with those is if you hang into a tree, you're going to lose it. And then, you know, at three bucks a crack or four dollars, I don't know what it is, you – you just start getting tired of losing them. It's a whole lot easier, to, a whole lot cheaper to lose up that little bobber and all that. Okay. Uh, Jerry Dillard wants to know, uh, have you ever used these little versal rattles for situations that you don't need a float? Um, and how well do they work in those situations? I don't know. I've never tried that. I, I almost always have a float on my line. Even if... Um, if I'm fishing Tennessee and I'm fishing for blues or flatheads, I have always got a float on the line. I, I very seldom don't have a float on the line. I've always been a firm believer that what gets hung up is that weight that's dragging along. And if I can get that float to keep that bait up above, you know, the, the bottom, that it'll walk its way over. So, I mean, we've drove through some, you know, Christmas trees are notorious for grabbing things. But with a float on there, you can walk, you can walk those baits right through a Christmas tree. Well, and another thing, those fish would much rather come up and grab that bait than go down after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'd always like to, you know, the more speed that you put, the farther down that bait's going to run. And if you got that float on there, it's going to have it tendency of running a little bit higher i know today they them guys were just i mean they were they were slapping the rod down and then they'd let go of it and uh they they were kind of driving me crazy i caught 16 today and uh, none of them were huge uh, but most of them were them little squeak squeaky things that just sit there and bang away at a bait and then when i started butterflying then i started uh you know that seemed to be the ticket which here for the last couple of years that has been a really good you know i like shad guts but you know if you stick just plain shad guts on a hook they're going to pick it right off you know but if you butterfly a shad, uh, you got the be best of both worlds. You got a, a bait that looks like it's moving and flapping around, but then you've got the scent of the shad guts coming off of that, off of that shad. And when I'm talking about butterflying, what I'm doing is I'm taking a, a shad that's probably four to five inches long, and I lay it down. Now... <laughs> I've cut myself enough times. I, I, you know, I've learned to put one of them cut-resistant gloves on my hand, <laughs> on my left hand, so I don't slice and dice myself. But I've done it enough times. But you lay that shad down on its 
on its side and you start at the base of the tail and you start cutting up through there and then when you get up near the gill plate you just stop and that you've got that flap you know that opens up the, the all the shad guts are in the one in the one pocket and then that other piece is just it flaps around I've I put it over the side of the boat and have watched it and that's that shad looks like it's swimming along and you got two pieces there they're moving back and forth so and uh, I'll throw that thing out there and when I did that today boy they started that's when they started hooking up you know I, I think they thought it was a, a live one coming by and uh, they just they just go after it they they weren't messing with it then they they just bury the rod down. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, Jerry, he was talking about uh, not only he knows you now that you use, uh, you know, floats for everything. Would you use these rattles that when you pulled planer boards and, and suspending, you know, straight down under them? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You would yeah, still and use I, and them? I, I, I would still use them, yeah. And, and, and then vertical drifting straight off the boat? Yeah. Yeah. But even when I'm vertical drifting off the boat, you know, I still got a float on there. <laughs> Just, the only time I don't use a float is when I'm running a planer board. And if I'm suspending off of a planer board, that's the only time I don't use a float. Okay. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've changed, uh, you know, my bait cuts before. And like you were saying, and, all of a sudden just had um just just made the biggest difference you know go from yeah. uh cuts to fillets you know and just put those fillets on to where they're uh you know got a lot of action and uh you know that that can make the biggest difference is just changing cuts and you know yeah. putting something down there that's catching their attention and putting off more scent but i, I love that butterfly cut yeah I've used that for years, and it's just you know, I do. the the smaller it works great with a small shad, but boy, you're taking your life in your hand if you don't have uh, a cut resistant glove on that other hand because you're going to open yourself up. Yeah, we've done it with two pound skipjack. I mean, it's just, oh really? Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I thought, you know, when they, when these things first came out, these rattles and those spinners, um, you know, I, I was like, man, somebody's just off, you know, trying to make some money. Then things ain't gonna make no difference, man. And you know, I, I see now that they're making them for a reason. Everybody I've talked to, they're true believers in the vibrations and the actions that's that that this product is, uh, you know, achieving is is catching more fish. Yeah, and um, you know, I haven't been able to use them that much, or I haven't. I have them, but um, <coughs> you know, I, I believe that you know anything that's going to be down there like that, that's getting their attention, uh, without spooking them, uh, could be a world of difference. Yeah, well, and I've seen a lot of videos on the internet. A couple of them that I watched was uh. uh ones that Rob Benningfield had done and Chris DeBeau. And uh, I, I saw those, they had those uh, rattlers on their lines when they 
pull the lines out, I'm always sitting there looking at the video. <laughs> okay, what's on there? I want to know what's on their line. And then I'll see those things. Yeah, that's what you start trying to piece stuff together watching those yeah. videos, what they're doing. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people, when they watch videos and stuff, they're looking at the banks. They're saying, well, I want to find out where where these people are catching the fish. You know, they're looking for something. Me, I'm I'm not I'm looking at their rigs. I want to see what they're using and how they're doing it. So, I mean, you know, I I try to look and see what part of the river is it skinny water, fat water. Um, yeah. You know, then after that, it don't matter where they're doing it. You're just you're able to see, hey, they're doing it in the skinny water. You know, trying to see, you know, is the is it, you know, pretty heavy current? Is it no current? You know, and just piecing everything together. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The um, yeah, all the little things like that you can catch watching them videos really help, especially you know when you're watching the guys you know like Benefield and them that you know they're consistently putting uh, you know trophy fish in the boat time after time. Uh, you want to know every small little detail that they're doing. Yeah, I think Rob Benefield needs to take me fishing sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I've fished Rob, with the guy before. He's taken me a few times. He taught me how to back bounce. Rob Benefield is is one of the great fishermen uh, in tournament fishing today, and, and a lot of people doesn't realize how well he does in tournaments. Yeah, he's he's been a tough competitor. I've known him a long time. And he's a genuine good guy. Yeah. You know, he uh, – uh, my, my rack – but, uh, on the boat, uh, our tracker uh, come from him, and he had won it. He won a boat that was on it, or or won it in a tournament or something, and advertised it. And Aaron Wheatley actually told me about it. And I called him up and bought it from him, and and uh, you know it's it's a great rod rack. He didn't like it, and uh, I'd never met him before. And uh, we was at Monsters on the Ohio that year, and uh, boat come pulling up beside me. He said, uh, "I think I've seen that." rod rack before and i said really he said yeah did you buy that from a guy down here i said yeah he said well that guy was me <laughs> he's a really really good guy and a great yeah. fisherman yeah you know yeah. a lot of them tournament trails you really don't realize like ohio hills how many how many awesome fishermen are just competing time after time again in in a trail like that yeah and then, when you really look at the field that's fishing those things and you know, you see Bink and, and, and Doc and Benefield and all them guys in there and uh, competing. That's what makes you good, you know, fishing after guys, you know, fishing against guys that are good and That's having right. to beat them. Um, That's right. And everybody, everybody of water is always different, you know, be it a river, be it a lake. You know. yep. When it comes to the channel cats, change. yeah, constantly, that's a big thing. You know, can you conform to the conditions? You know, with channel cats, uh, what I've found out over the years, if you find a bait, they're going to be real close by. Yeah. Real close by. Yeah, they're by. hungry and, little boogers, ain't they? Yeah, boy, they, they just sit there and follow them, especially in the spring and the fall. Right? Like today, you know, I, I threw a cast net. I pulled up next to a buddy that was out there, and I asked him, I said, are you doing any good? He had come up to me uh in the morning and he hollered at me and he said, have you done any good? And I said, we just got out here. I said, uh, you know, I'm getting close to retiring. 
So I don't get on the water at the crack of dawn like everybody else does and <laughs> like I used to do. So, uh, you know, and, and since I am getting close to retiring, I'm fishing more lakes than I am the river and stuff like that. It's real close by, and I just love to catch fish. So the channel cats are really getting to be one of my favorite fish to catch. But, uh, you know, they uh, today he asked me if we'd gotten anything. I said, no, we just gotten here. I said, we just got a little bit of bait. And I said, right now we're trying to find the bait. And then I went across the road bed uh, because the sun was shining down. It was up pretty high, and it, it got it to 70 degrees here in Ohio today. So, it, it you know, yeah, man, you don't see that. It's, it's, here it is, the second week in November, and it's 70 degrees. I'm out there in a T-shirt. Right? Last year, I think at this time, I was bundled up, had coveralls on and everything else. It wasn't that warm here today. So, <laughs> you know, and what I do is, is I use my side scanner to find my bait. That's what I'm doing. And I'm just using the trolling motor, and I'm moving along. As soon as I see him on a side scanner, I, I just reverse, I just turn the boat 180 degrees. So where the the back was, that now is, I run the boat, you know, right around in a, in a circle, half moon circle, and uh, throw the cast net right on there. As soon as I marked him, and I pulled back on the net, and, and I had, oh, I don't know, 30 or 40 shad that were in there. But then I had a bunch of those little uh, 15, 16-inch channel cats. So they were, they were in there feeding on them guys. So they, they were right in the heart of those uh, shad. So. Oh, yeah. Them boogers are hard to get out of that cast net, too. Yes, oh. yes they are. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. They'll tear up a good net. Yeah, and they'll tear up your hand too because they, they <laughs> always want to they always want to get twisting and turning, especially them ones in juveniles that still got them spots on their body. Boy, I've had them stick me in the middle of the hand, and you know one of the worst places. And they, it seems like they know how to get you is <laughs> when they go in between your fingers mm-hmm. and they bust you. Boy, man, does that hurt? Yes, it does. So that's all I did today. I was just dragging baits. Uh, had a drift sock out. I like to, I like to flip the boat sideways. You know, I got a 24 foot boat. Well, when I've got it sideways, my the shadow of the boat isn't near as much as it is if it if the boat's running lengthwise. So, and I put the baits way out. You know, they're they're way out. It takes me a while to get a fish reeled in. So. Now, what are you talking about way out? Are you talking about 150, 200 feet behind the boat? Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. It's way out there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind doing that either. I, the the farther know, the better. They're, they're, you're, you're getting up the bait away from any noise related to that boat, any shadows, anything that has anything to do with it. And if you drop something in the bottom of it, it's not going to affect them near like it does if you're dragging them right behind the boat. Yeah, because I got the Yeti in the front of the boat, and I keep forgetting it's got a really loose hinge on it. And uh, if you just touch the lid, it'll, it'll boom, it'll slam shut, you know. You know, I've seen the shad on the screen. I'll look at the screen. You'll see those shad move on the electronics. So you know that 
if the shad are moving, the catfish are going to move also. That's right. They're, they're probably more spooky than shad because I've actually hardly ever seen, uh, you know, channel cats up next to the bank, and you know they're there. And you'll see shad, you'll see carp, you'll see suckers, but you hardly ever see. I think I think them catfish spook before, way before anything else does. Yeah, they seem to. Yeah, because a lot of times if I'm if they're up against a bank and they're spawning and I'm trying to catch them, I'll I'll throw a bobber in there on top of them, and you'll see them just go out. But if I take that bobber and throw it towards the bank, and then let that bobber float in there, uh, doesn't seem to mess with them as bad. But exactly, you know, you know, for years that's all I did. That's all how I caught channel cats was underneath them big I make those pool bobbers and uh, out of pool noodles and uh, it'll hold real heavy weight on it you know you can put 10 ounces of weight on it and it'll keep it up but you can sling them things at country miles so you won't spook them fish with them and for a long time I drifted that's how I drifted but now that I'm using side planers and then I'm doing the dragon uh, you know, I've kind of gotten away from using the bobbers. Was you that, know, you stop. I'm sorry, Chuck. Go ahead. Is that we use using pool noodles with uh, like half inch PVC going through them? Uh, no, they were just they were uh, well used to. They used to have a closet rod. These are the what I did. These were closet rod holders, and I would put those inside the pool noodles. And then I'd run a straw in the middle there, and there's a hole in the end here. And then I'd okay. leave the bottom open. So, but I, you can't get these things anymore. So I kind of got away from building my own. But I, I've had those. I've had those pool noodle bobbers. I know for at least twenty years, and they still got the same straws in them. So. They, you don't you feel can't. guilty about that, Doc? No, uh -uh. You don't feel no. guilty about keeping that crap for 20 years when you can make a new one and have it shiny no. new. I know. But, <laughs> yeah, there's just something about it. I just can't get away from it. You know, yeah, I got two or three of them. I can, I can get up off of here. I can walk right out into the garage, and there's one sitting right there on the shelf. I, I know there, there's one right there. There's a, there's something about stuff that works that you should never change. I if know, it's working, yeah. if I it know, ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it, man. Just keep using them. That's right. That, that's, under, a, that's pretty funny. Under them bobbers, man, it, that's an exciting way to fish, you know, for oh, channel yeah. cats. Because it, it reminds me of Jaws where he drags them <laughs> barrels off. And, man, they, they will bury that bobber, and then you'll see that bobber running along the surface of the water and then it'll just disappear and the water will rush over top of it. That, I mean, well, that, I'm that you, gives me a major rush doing that. I think with that, with, with them bobbers and the same with planer boards, when you're using circle hooks, when them fish grab that bait and take off, when it hits the end of whatever is there to where there's nothing loose, yeah. they're yeah. already hooked. Yeah. Yeah, they're hooked, and and that's yeah. one of the great things about a circle hook and any kind of a floating object. When that gets, you know, if they're off to the side or whatever, if they don't take it and go down, when they when they get that thing straightened back up, when it hits the end of it, they're hooked. They and 
they don't, yeah. you know, you got them. You know, it's it's a very successful way to fish. Yeah, and, and especially if you're using the planer boards, you've got the same thing with the planer boards because uh, when you see the boards start going the wrong way, that's when you know you've got them hooked up. That's right. That's you exactly. Know, when, it is catching that board. Yeah, yeah. You see that board running backwards. They they've got it. Yeah, <laughs> that's one hundred percent correct. You know, we was talking yeah. a while ago, and you was telling about uh, losing uh, your stuff. Brad Durick uh, is watching the show tonight, and he left a little message here. And he says, according to the walleye and the bass anglers, that if you're not losing fifty bucks worth of gear a day, you're not fishing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I've had days like that. I prefer not to have too many of them, but, uh, you know, we've lost. Oh, I've lost so much well, stuff. It is, I, yeah. There's been days when I swear I lost $50 worth of lead. You know, yeah. just be hung up all the time. And and uh, you, you change the lead that you're using or you use it a different way or you figure out something. There comes a point in time when you just – enough's enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I – <laughs> Yeah, I rarely lose hooks unless we break off a whole rig or something, you know, where you hung up. Uh, I believe with all my heart that 99% of the time when you're snagged on something, it's the sinker that is snagged. Yeah, I, I broke off uh, two today. Daniel was with me, but he was only with me for two hours. He found out I was going. He, had, he volunteered to go work. He thought I was working today. But every other Monday I get off, and generally he, he and I go fishing. But uh, he had to work, and then when he found out I was going out to CJ, he goes, I'm going to go with you for a couple hours. And so, and, and we're both looking at each other. You know, I lost two rigs that got hung up. I said, I have no idea what that hung on because we've gone over this place a, a hundred times and it never got hung up. And I said, I just lost, you know, it. Because I lost that one whisker seeker, and I looked at him. I said, "I bet that's the one, the one that had the whisker seeker on it." And he goes, "Yeah, I think it was." I said, "Man, I've left a bunch of them on this bottom of this lake." So. But it's C.J. Brown. It's re it's you know it's real close to the house here. It's only six miles away. But my favorite my favorite lake is Rocky Fork. And it's down in Hillsboro, Ohio. It's an hour away, and man, it's just the average size of channels down on that lake is uh, probably ten pounds or better. You know, when you're down there fishing, uh, we generally will come away with a twelve or fourteen pound fish. Uh, the last time I fished down there, uh, we fished—I don't know—we fished four or five hours, and probably put. Uh, I, I know. I know we. It's nothing to put 20 fish in a boat, and over half of them will be 10 pounds or bigger. Wow. So, you know, that that's anytime you can do that with channel cats, that's an awesome day. Oh, I take a couple of days like that any day. How about you, Chuck? Oh, yeah, man, any day of the week. They're a lot of fun to catch, and, and they're prolific breeders, so there's – I'm not saying there's no endless supply to them, but – with selective harvest and common sense, uh, you can have a yeah. great channel cat fishery for years to come anywhere that, that you've got fish like that. Well, the bigger yeah. ones, it's the same as the blues and the flatheads. The bigger ones, you know, let them go. And them little guys that are, you know, like four, 
12 to 14 inches. Those are great eating. Well, they're the best. You know, I'd rather have me a mess of channel cat than anything else. Except, well, maybe a small flathead. I like them pretty good, too. But yeah. them channel cats, you can go catch them anywhere, and they're great eating. You're, like I say, you're not at heart. Unless you abuse it, you're not going to over. You're not going to hurt the population of them. And, right. and man, they're good eating. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, pound for pound, I think they're the, the hardest fighters, too. I've caught, you know, 8, 10, 12-pounders. I've caught a 17. And, you know, for, for for the weight you bring in the boat, you're like, man, he put up a good fight. And I mean, Absolutely. Every time. Absolutely. They, they do. They fight hard. Yeah, a lot of guys, a lot of guys fish for them with with the same rods they use for blue cat fishing. A lot of guys don't, but uh, I know a lot of guys that that will use a lightweight rod that they would catch blues or flatheads on uh, to when they're specifically targeting the big channel cats now. Yeah, yeah, and they're uh, they're, they're still fighting when they get in the boat too. They'll take all oh, the yeah. off your fingers and everything. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, Lyle built that one channel cat rod, wanted me to try it. Uh, I, was that a prototype? Is that what it was? No, it's just a, a blank that just, I had been. I, I ordered it for myself, and I wanted to use it, and wanted to use it, and wanted to use it. And when I built it, uh, we was kind of done channel cat fishing, and I knew you had a bunch of stuff coming up because we talked about it. And, yeah. and from the sounds of it, I should have kept the thing myself. <laughs> oh, man. I caught a lot of fish on that thing. It, it, it's, you know, it's... <laughs> It's got some good backbone to it, but it's got a fast tip. And you know, to you know, when a rod goes down and it gets hung up, if you got a stiff tip, it, it just seems like it'll bury it in a tree. But if you got that little bit faster tip, it'll have a tendency of shooting that bait right up on over top of the tree or whatever you're hung on. And generally, once it springs back up. That's when a channel cat'll come along and bust it. You know, they'll they'll lay a rod right down almost generally after I get hung up on something and get out of it. So I won't hesitate to go through a tree. I yeah, like fishing wood. I like getting in you know, I I'm running them baits right down through there. I know I'm gonna lose stuff, but generally there's gonna be a pig down in that in all that stuff. Well, you know, one thing about fishing wood and rock piles too, but especially brush. Yeah. Unless there's a big blue or a flathead in there running them channel cat off, there'll always be channel cat in that wood. Yeah. Now, if there's a big blue or a flathead in there, starts picking them off one at a time, they won't hang around long. But they yeah. uh, they they love. Uh, they really do. And see these lakes here in Ohio. The the one thing that it, it's uh, I don't know what you would call it uh, the caviar for channel cats are crappie eggs. Man, really? they get up and they get up in them trees and they are sitting there just killing them crappie eggs. So you get up in there with a bait, you know you you can really get into some good ones, especially in the spring of the year. You know, most of the time I'm I'm dragging baits, just you know. I know the lakes around here, the first 20 feet out from the, well, I should say 20 yards out from the bank, it's nothing but that cobblestone rock. And they get in that stuff and they, they just, you know, they'll work them, them crappies and them bluegill eggs to pieces. 
So, you now, know. you was talking about using your shad. I, I'm sorry, Chuck. If you got some other stuff, I'll shut up here in a minute. No, go ahead. Uh, you, was, you was talking about using shad for bait for Channel Cat. Now, uh, when, when we went to, to some of the places up north, we specifically used bluegill uh, in Mendota and Cherokee for bait, and, and they would just cut bluegill was absolutely the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, and when we went over to fish the red, we used, uh, we had a couple of bluegill, but uh, cut sucker was just unbelievable. Now, this was yeah. fairly early in the year I'm, when we went up there, uh, but my God, Doc, they got the biggest suckers up there you ever seen in your life, man. I never seen such suckers. I tried to bring some home and it got too hot and I lost them, but I, I just, I could not believe the size of those suckers. LA's like this. Yeah. Just giants. You know, you go in there, and and, uh, they were supplying them to the store there, and I think it was a Cabela's store, and I'd go in there in the morning, and I'd get us uh, what I thought would last all day, and heck, you know, by the time you whack them up and chunk them up and size some of them up, and, you know, we tried a lot of different cuts up there, but uh, them suckers, they're oily, and them them old channel cat, they like them really, really well. And they don't have yeah. shad up there, you know, yeah. so you gotta got to have something else. But they do have stone cats. I thought it was flathead, but it wasn't. Yeah. Another good bait around in this area is the cups <laughs> that you get out of the mm-hmm. cricks. Those are, those are real, especially those ones that are the horny head suckers, that kind of stuff. You know, we've got those, but... The only time we can get them is, you know, in, in a in a great setting is in the spring of the year. Like right now, I you know I got a creek that runs right here beside me. I got a dugout hole stuff in. <laughs> I, I had how that how that happened. I had the guy from the county. He was down there working. And I said, "Can you dig that out a little bit farther?" And he goes, "Yeah, why?" And I said, "I." I throw a chub trap down in there, and he goes, "Yeah." So he dug it out for me. So <laughs> it's a perfect because man, the water the water falls into this deep hole, and you know they just gather up in there. So, but cool. you know, like like right now, and it's on my neighbor's property, and I every year I go and ask him for permission. He goes, "Man, you don't have to ask me for permission." I said, "Hey, I respect your land. I still ask it." He, he goes, he says, you can walk on my place anytime. I said, I still ask, just out of respect that's right. for and your place. And that that's so. the reason you can go back there and go back there exactly. and go back there because the, the other guys that get cut off in the places are just going in there abusing the right to do that. And, and regardless yeah. of what the man says, a little bit of respect and, and uh, common sense, with it, you, you know, that's cost a lot of people hunting and fishing places all over the world. Yeah, every year I ask him. You know, at the beginning yep. of the year, as soon as the as soon as the snow comes off of the ground, I'm walking over. Hey, Sean, do you care if I? He goes, you don't have to ask, but yeah, go ahead. So, well, but, but he's he still appreciates it. I promise you. Oh dog, yeah. He does. Oh yeah. So, but I appreciate Brad's, him allowing me that. Oh heck yeah! Brad says that suckers are cold water uh, fish and shad are not. Uh, that very well may be true. I don't know. I know we got suckers yeah. around here, but they ain't nothing like the ones they got up there. I mean, they're giants. It's just amazing. And 
Uh, yeah. I, I tell you, before I let you get back to this, I want to tell you about getting them suckers up there. We'd go into there, and this guy was catching them daily and bringing them in there because there was such a big tournament, 150 or 60 boats up there on that little river. And they would put them in a big plastic bag, how many ever you want, and then they'd shoot oxygen in that plastic bag with water and then tie it off so that you could get to where you was going. And I've never seen that done before. Uh, oh, they, but, they do that at the fair on him going. We never fair. lost I've seen them do that. Yeah, yeah, I never seen that happen before. But we never lost one. Uh, if you put them in a live well or something, they'd live two or three days if you didn't use them. I guess. Uh, uh, we bet damn near made it home with a couple of them giants, uh, but it just got so hot, and uh, of course I was ready to be home. We've been gone for several days. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I st- I'll never forget the size of them damn things. Man, oh, man, it's huge. <laughs> to me, that catching a sucker that size, and I'm sure that guy was probably trapping them. He wasn't probably rod and reeling them. He, I'm sure he had to be a commercial guy to be able to sell them at Cabela's or whatever it was. But <clears throat> catching a sucker as big as those was would be like catching a 20-pound. That would be uh, – uh, Boone and Crockett suckered. You know, it was just a yeah. they were giants. Yeah. And a shad here in, in you know, we're north, Ohio's north or, you know, kind of north. Uh, not so much north as, uh, I won't mention the northern part that Ohio doesn't care for. <laughs> uh, but... In this area, the shad, you know, as soon as that water starts dipping down, now I saw today the water temperature was 58 degrees, and the shad have already started to migrate. They're in that 20 foot of water right now, uh, so they're starting to head for the deeper water, which is definitely warmer. And then as the temperature starts dropping, they're going to go even farther. They're going to be in that 30 foot of water, and. Uh, and then at some point, they just they're going to give it up, you know. They're they're going to die, and then they're going to just either they stay, either they float to the top or they, you know, go to the bottom. And then in the spring of the year, uh, boy, that's when that's when you get your catfish on, because uh, them guys, you know, whatever bank the wind is blowing into, that's where they're going to be. They're going to be stockpiled up in there, you know, either you throw baits on top of them or, you know, they're picking off them shad, you know, they love the mud flats. So, you know, I've been out there, been anchored down and the bottom of the boat is hitting the mud. I'm in such shallow water and them fish are back in there. and You know, you can actually see their tails and their backs coming out of the water. So, uh, that's another exciting time to fish for them is in the spring of the year. Yeah, it is. Uh, but, ch- you know, channel cats are one of the great things about channel cat fishing. Uh, unless the water's froze over, they're like blues. They'll, they'll feed. You can catch them year-round. Yeah. And the, guy, and the guys, you know, I know around here guys go fishing for them. You know, they bore the holes. I'm telling you, Doc does not walk out on a on a lake that's frozen unless I got a boat underneath of me. It does not, it's not happening. 
them guys talk about all that ice fishing and crap, and they can have it. This old fat man is not getting out on the ice. No. I don't care. The guy can say it's six foot thick. I don't care if it's six inches. I don't care if it's six foot. I'm not getting out on the water on ice. It ain't happening. No. Uh, if it, I sit just, on a dock, I ain't doing I'll that. Do that. I'll yeah, do, I'll yeah, I'd be on a dock. I am not. I'd feel much better in a boat. You know, if I'm sitting on it, and I've done that a few times where I've sat on a dock, and then you'll hear that ice erupt, either that or it shifts. I said, uh-uh, there is no way. Those guys look at, you know, I'm looking out there. I'd have me a life jacket on, a jacket on. I'd have buoys around me. Yeah. There's just no way I'm going to get out there. Yep, me either. I, I feel the same way. And, and uh, winter used to be my favorite time of the year back when I hunted a lot, and I could never wait for for the, the winter to, to – get here so I could go deer hunting and go to Colorado and go elk hunting and all that stuff. And the last several years when my boys was at home and they're all, they're grown, got kids of their own now, I would take them to our spot on Truman Lake and I'd put them in a tree and I'd go get the boat and I'd go fishing. Yeah. So that's how things change. But when that water freezes, or if it's so bad I can't get the boat out, then I probably ain't going to be fishing. No. <laughs> Of course, you don't ever see ice down there, do you, Chuck? Uh, well, me and Leanne went on a tournament in northern Georgia, and we put in the branch. We had to have a, a – there was a couple of, um, you know, deeper V uh, center console, uh, I'd say, bay boats that were in front of us that was actually busting the ice, but you know, it wasn't really thick. It, it was big enough chunks. I was worried my transducer might get broke uh, when we was going through the broken ice. But yeah, that, you know, back in the sloughs and stuff will get froze up every now and then, but you know, um, you know, a lot of farm ponds and stuff will freeze over, but you know, the, the fisheries we have around here, the rivers, they won't freeze that much. We, uh, we fished a tournament of Kansas city catfish here a few years ago. They have one every March. Uh, ice was, I don't know, probably half three quarter inch thick. Fog was real bad. They made us wait for takeoff. And, uh, we took off, and whoever got the number one boat, he got to break a channel for everybody else. Now, once you got out in the main channel on, on Lake Ozark, there wasn't any ice out there, but uh, the boat ramp at, at Warsaw is up in a slough, and they didn't nobody get out of that <laughs> that spot he cut out for everybody. And then, you know, once you got out there, wasn't froze, they opened them up. But I've been on that Missouri River down there early in the spring fishing, and there'll be big old chunks of ice come by, and I mean, it'll whack that boat. You think it's knocking a hole in the side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you got a lot of current. You get a you get a sheet of ice that's 15, 20 foot around and, and an inch or two thick, and it's a boat. You you don't forget it. Yeah. that Yeah. That or I've had that happen on the Ohio where it picks up my line, and then, then the hook embeds into the ice, and then you, you're in trouble then. Jerry says he's never seen ice on a lake down there in Texas. Ain't that something? That's amazing. 
well, he, he also said that he'd not seen anything like that. So Brad's tried to hook him up with a picture of, of one of them big old uh, uh, suckers. It's just, I can't get, I still, I mean, that was years ago, and I still can't get over how big them damn things was. Hmm. So you caught fish, and, and do you have any tournament-specific, uh, Channel Cat tournament-specific tournaments over there? Yeah. Yeah, Vince always has one. Uh, we got ch- cat chasers. I mean, uh, there's several tournaments that are held on the lakes. A cat chaser is almost – I think they have one river tournament. All the rest are uh, channel – you know, mostly all the rest of them are on lakes. And, uh, you know, you're actually shooting for two fish. You're shooting for the channel cats and you're shooting for the flatheads. Boy, if you get a flathead, you done won that tournament. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've seen it where uh, – I know at Rocky Fork last year we had – Everybody was uh, had some real heavy weights, and one of the guys got lucky and busted. I think it was a twenty-five pound flathead that he caught while channel, you know, fishing for channel cats. You know, just got is the first time I think a flathead had ever been caught during a tournament. So, wow, that's amazing. I know, you know, uh, I, I'm going to give Keith and Jason Malone a little shout out. Heath that runs the Indiana Hunter website or uh, they have a bunch of videos and they've got some really nice and good videos uh on youtube for indiana hunter where they're catching a lot of good quality channel cat over there and i I don't remember them catching any giant channel cat they catch a lot of them uh they was in some tournaments doing doing videos and uh they got they was out one day and tripped on a really good flathead over there too i don't think he was in a tournament that day but uh, yeah i remember seeing that video (laughs) he was all excited on (laughs) (laughs) well you know them are some pretty good boys, and you guys get a chance to check out them Indiana Hunter videos. You'll really enjoy it, and, and they've got some really good deer hunts on there, too, if you're into that. Yeah, you see a rod go down, and it's <coughs> down, and a drag's pulling off of it, and you're just kind of going, oh, boy. Either I've got a yeah. pig or a flathead is on the other end. <laughs> yeah. and, and during the summer, a lot of times you'll see that. Now, it hadn't happened to me in the last couple of years, uh, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't, but uh, I've had them daggone soft-shelled turtles that <laughs> those guys will hit, and you think you got a hog on, and you they're hooked in their mouth, and they're just digging into the mud, just trying to hang on, you know, trying to swim away, and, and they just act like a flathead, Yeah. and then you bring them up, and then they're hissing at you, and then they stink. And- they're mad. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm bringing they're, they're pissed. Yeah. And I got a buddy of mine that he doesn't even hesitate. He just reaches out, grabs a hold of their neck, and squeezes down. And they're sitting there starving for oxygen. And he'll take the hook out and stuff like that. He goes, "See, they can't oh, do no. nothing with you." Nah, Dude, I, don't. <laughs> I ain't doing that. It's like that gar we got into down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-uh. no, 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 no. <laughs> My hand, uh, yeah. And you know, believe it or not, my hand just now is healed up, but I've got a scar. He pretty hard. Uh, I've got a scar in that one hand right there. It doesn't look like it's gonna it's gonna stay there. So, but we what made me mad is he took my Leatherman. That that made me more <laughs> mad than anything. We should have just wised up and whacked the line right off the bat. I, I bet know. that's what I don't have no more. That. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, not as I still got that picture on the phone. I I keep showing it to people. I say, you ever seen a gar this big? Look at this thing. <laughs> I tell you what, I wouldn't want to have been out there in the middle of summer with my feet dangling over the side of the boat and that baby swim up on oh, the boat. No, I'll tell you uh-uh. that right now. <laughs> well, it this thing, you know, yeah, and he was in 30 foot, 35 foot of water. You don't ever get see them things in there. No wonder he was so big. He was probably down there eating on blues. <laughs> he was a horse now. I ain't no two ways about Man, it. Man, he was big. What else we got? Oh, wait a minute. I got, uh, let me find my phone. What did I do with it? Oh, here it is. I do have uh, SWOCC had their tournament this past weekend. Let me see where, oh, here it is. Uh, first place, Willie and Stacy Smith, 61.5 pounds. Second was Ray Van Hooser and Bob Balin. Uh, 48.7. They also had big fish, which was a 35.7. I don't know if that was a blue or a flathead. I'm assuming it was a blue. Third was Adam Denier and Dustin Linderman, 35.1. So those weights, other than Willie and Stacy running off with it, uh, with the 61, they were fairly close together. You know, so uh, congratulations on those. Uh, Three teams there, excellent job done. It was down on the Ohio River Schmidt ramp, uh, just above Cincinnati, Ohio. They had heavy, heavy fog. Oh, uh, really? He's been getting it going on here lately, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been he's done really good all year long. Yep, he sure has. Proud of him. Yeah. Done awesome. And he took Stacy with him, so Yeah, she's been fishing a lot with him here lately. Oh, that's some good people right there. If you're ever if you guys ever go to a tournament, uh one of the big tournaments and, and Willie and Stacy's there, you got to be around them in the evenings. I promise you, you'll rip a gut. They just <laughs> funniest people you ever want to be with. They're just a ton of fun and, and Stacy uh, Stacy has a <laughs> bottle of wine, look out. <laughs> it's going to get loud and crazy. It is. They, in fact, the motel people might ask you to go outside by the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Y'all need to go someplace else, but we're getting complaints. They're good folks, and they have a good time, and you'll have a good time if you spend any time with them at all. I'll guarantee it. They're just yeah. good guys. Yeah. They're good guys. Chuck, what do you got for closing up tonight? Uh, but I don't have too much, you know. The next big thing I got going on is uh, winter blues. Um, you know that that's really about it. Um, I'm hoping to get out, uh, get away from this darn workload I got, where I can get out and get a little bit of fishing going on pretty soon. <coughs> um, you know this this uh, you know Doc knows how it is being a. a being in maintenance is uh, it's really hard. Busy, yeah. busy, busy. Well, it seems to me yeah. like they need to get you some help, but I understand how that works. Uh, you know, they 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 have it in their mind that you can do it all, but there comes a point in time when when one guy usually can't do everything. Yeah, um, 
you know, I, I can do it all. It's just, uh, you know, I'm first shift and uh, they want me to cover second and third also. You know, I'm right now I'm, I'm working on a, helping them troubleshoot something on the phone while we're while I'm doing the show. It, you right. know, it's always something I'm getting, I'm getting calls throughout the night. And, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've planned on the, you know, last week I was planning on going to a little tournament and got called in on Friday night, ended up having a flat, you know, I told y'all about that, ended up, I just said, man, I'm not going, um, you know, things like that happen. But, um, you know, if I tell them I've got a tournament on Saturday, um, you know, pretty much when I leave Friday, you know, they, they know, uh, you know, them small little tournaments like that, you know, I don't even tell them about, um, you know, if something happens where I can't go, it's no biggie. You know, but the big ones, when I send in, uh, you know, entry fees ahead of time, you know, they know about it. And I usually take a vacation day on Friday anyway to pre-fish or, you know, get there in time for the captain's meeting or whatever. So, um, yeah, I've got, um, you know, we had Brad Shoemate on the show not too long ago. We had him and his dad, um, mm-hmm. you know, on the show in Mississippi. His dad's coming down. I'm, I'm fishing with him. Uh, for a couple of days in the first of December, he's coming down on Wheeler, and that's going to be a really good time. Hey, you guys will have a blast. I mean, <laughs> old Brad and Craig are both really good guys. Brad is so funny. Uh, we sat with him at the table there at uh, Monsters on the Ohio that night with him and his wife and and just rolled and rolled. And, of course, Ken Pryor was sitting there, and uh, uh, Brad got up to go to the bathroom, and Ken took a picture of himself and made it. His, with with Brad's phone and made it his picture on the phone. So every time Brad turned the phone on, he got a picture of Ken. <laughs> but the, the, that's the kind of guys we got in this thing, man. I mean, we got some of the greatest people in the world in catfishing, and they're so funny. And everybody's about having a good time, except the select few that complain and whine and gripe all the time. You just kind of got to overlook them guys because they think they know what they're talking about and they really don't have a clue. I was going to get into that tonight, but I'm going to pass on it tonight and and uh, so I can do it without losing control of myself. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, guys know where I'm at with that. I, I'm really <laughs> had enough of it. You know, I really have. But uh, I, I will try to get, get to that. Doc, you got a tip for us for tonight? Yep, my tip tonight is the water's getting cold. So start wearing that PFD, guys. Put it on and just leave it on. It'll keep you warm anyway. Uh, and try to use that kill switch lanyard. You know, if you fall overboard, at least it'll knock that motor off, shut it down for you. Uh, just try to get in the habit of doing it. I know it's a, you know, I, I've been doing it now for the last couple of years. Uh, and, you know, uh, Lynn keeps bringing it up to me. I'm getting old, so uh, <laughs> now I, I wear I wear my PFD almost the whole time. I've got that inflatable. Really yeah, yep. I've got that. Well, when I fish with you, Lyle, I, yep. I think I had that thing on the whole time I was fishing. Yeah, both at the Mississippi, Mississippi Monsters and Owensboro, I had it on. Right, right. So you know, I I don't wear mine like I ought to. They're uh, and it's, I know I should, but I have so much shoulder trouble. They, they, you know, you wouldn't think laying something that light on that shoulder would bother yeah. you, but it doesn't take very long. Well, it does. 
And right. uh, the fact is, I'm just hard-headed. You know, I'm kind of like Dale Earnhardt was with his uh, helmet. You, <laughs> you know, know. He, he wasn't wearing one of them wraparound helmets, and I just can't make myself do it. But I do it more now than I used to. And yeah. uh, and it, that's a great tip. It really is. And yeah. uh, it won't hurt you to wear it. I promise you. It won't, you know, no, especially, no. If that big, especially if that big motor's running, you should have it on. Yeah, and I, you know, I've I've seen it where people have fallen into the water, and if you aren't there and, and you can't get them out within a few minutes, they're, you know, they things can go south real quick. And so. and hardly anybody when it gets cold, and it's getting cold. When it gets yeah. cold, and and something like that would happen if somebody falls in or whatever. Uh, I don't care. Where, what part of the water you're fishing, you're going to be a little ways away from the boat ramp, and you got to get them back. It doesn't take very long for that hypothermia to jump in there. And right. then you have to get them out of the boat and get them warmed up and all the stuff. So that is an absolute great tip, and, uh, and people need to bear that in mind. Yeah, because it goes in line with the tip I had last week where it says yep. carry that spare change of clothes in your in your truck. Right. Exactly. Uh, you seen what happened to uh, Jason Bridges year before last when he was throwing a net below the dam and fell off the front of his boat. And and nobody's got more experience on water than Jason Bridges. He said he's done it a thousand times. Yep. He was getting bait ready for some clients and, um, you know, don't know exactly <coughs> what happened. He stumbled or something, probably went to catch himself like I have done a million times, but I usually catch myself. Uh, you know, if you miss if you miss that that gunnel and your hand goes over the side, you know you don't have nothing else to grab. You're gonna flip right over. And he said, if he wouldn't have had a ladder on the back of his boat, he don't think he would have been able to get back in because that hundred mile an hour suit probably weighed two hundred pounds after it got. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, exactly. You know something yeah. else on that line before we get ready to go here, uh, and I may have mentioned this, but they make those little plastic lighters to fold up and you slip over the back or the side of a boat. Now they won't fit over the side of that monster cat. They'll fit over the back of it. And we keep one in that boat all the time. Uh, and the chances are nobody's going to fall out of that boat, but they could. And uh, especially now uh, with getting to be our age, it's, it's hard to get somebody in and out. But if you've got that ladder, you can get them in and out or they can get themselves in and out or whatever it is. Uh, if you have room in your boat, that's something that you should consider or uh, maybe a rope ladder or something uh because there there may come a time when that'd be very handy for you yeah, yeah. I've, I've 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 usually i've used my motor with the trim switch you know if your motor mm -hmm. has a tr trim switch i've actually done that to see if i could get myself back in the boat when i was swimming in the summertime right and you can actually you can actually do that if you can get your foot up on it and and hit that trim switch you you can get it up there enough where you can you know get up in the back of that boat that's awesome. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, well, listen, I guys, I will, go ahead, Doc. I almost fell out of that monster cat when I thought I was losing that rod. <laughs> that wasn't falling out. That was desperation, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was leaning. I was against that motor, buddy. I had my hand on that motor. <laughs> well, we sure had a good time. Yes, we and did. And we had a blast. I only got a couple things tonight. Uh, if you guys that watch the show, if you like it, would you please like and subscribe and share some of the shows that you enjoyed watching? Uh, I've had guys tell me, man, we can't believe you don't have any more subscribers to that channel. I said, well, you know, we don't push it. 
Uh, it's never been about that, but you know, it's, it's time that maybe we should uh, beef it up. We're getting a, a lot more sponsors and, and, and some uh, guys that want people to know about it. So please, if you don't mind, just like and subscribe to the channel and, and share it if you happen to see a show that you really like. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about tonight is tomorrow is the day that you get out and vote. And I know a lot of people don't think that it matters, but it does matter. It matters, and it should matter to you that you get to voice your opinion. It's, it, it, there's a, very few places in the world that you're allowed to go out and, and voice your opinion by voting for the person that you feel is the best. And if you don't think Donald Trump's not the best for the job, as I do, then for all, by all means, don't vote for him. Vote for the person that you think is the best to do what you think that needs to be done. But when you're making your vote, please consider the people that are against regulations, uh, gun control, and things like that before you hit that button. And that's not just for the president. That's for all the way down from your local uh, people all the way up, up through the presidency. And you need to make sure that you get the people that you think will do the things for the job. And it, it's a privilege to be able to vote, and you should take the time. And, and it only takes a few minutes, folks. And and it makes all the difference in the world, and it's a feel-good thing for me. When I come out of there, I know I have stated my opinion on who I think goes, and if it doesn't go that way, then I got the right to bitch. If you don't vote, you have no right to bitch about what happens for the next four years or however long those people are in office. With that said, thank you all for watching Catfish Weekly. We'll see you next Monday night right here 